is K-A-Y-T, Gina Alexandria. The Gospel is on the radio at 88.1. Call up somebody. Tell them it's going to be all right. K-A-Y-T. Got the gospel transmitting all day. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today to call on the highest power of the universe to bring peace and prosperity upon his people. The God that we serve is a deliverer and a strong tower. He is a God of stability, a God of substance, a God of authority, and a God who can solve all of our issues. So today, establish your people with deliverance, deliverance from the unemployment line, Deliverance from food stamps and welfare. Deliverance from the inner city housing and project living. Deliverance from drug addiction. Deliverance from social injustice. Deliverance from drive-by shootings. Deliverance from illiteracy and homelessness. Deliverance from racism and bigotry. Deliverance from hatred and violence. Deliverance from the doom of demonism. Deliverance from sin and seduction. Deliverance from helplessness and despair. Authenticate us with the principles of your power so that we can dwell in your power today. excited to introduce to you Deliverance Today Ministries. Our world is full of trouble and we have reached a point where it is time to bring to the people of God the truth of God. We are headquartered in Shreveport, Louisiana and are connected to churches worldwide. Each week we desire to come into your life with a message of deliverance that will prepare you for heaven. We invite you to join our prayer line and zoom into a closer walk with God every morning from 6 to 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. 
we have health professionals, spiritual counselors, and Christian aid workers in Louisiana and Texas. And we'll also extend our resources to help you with social, spiritual, financial, and mental needs wherever you are. It's time for us to go past the outer court and go into the inner court. Go into the Holy of Holies. And let's just begin to minister to him today.
truly there is none like God. Our text again, Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 3. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Verse 4 says, Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You see, this instruction is the precursor for part two. And it shows that Jehovah regarded the prophet's answer as equivalent to an admission that the revivication of the bones lay within God's power. God has the ability to resurrect COVID-19 dead bones. It was not a mere command to predict, as in Ezekiel 6 and verse 2 and Ezekiel 11 and verse 4, but an injunction to utter the divine word through which the miracle of creation should be performed. The significance of the command lies in the fact that it taught the prophet that he was himself to be instrumental in the great work of resuscitation. There are many today who expect God to come down and to just wave a magic wand and the world finally decides to turn from evil and return unto God. But it is not that process. God has chosen human hands and human mouths and human bodies to go into the highways, the byways, and the wilderness and to call his children from afar. He who had been so often called no good, he who has been ostracized, he who has been criticized, he who has been overlooked by man is now called by God to make dead bones live. I would venture to say women who have been called no good, women who have been ostracized, women who have been criticized, women who have been set aside because of their gender. God is looking for man, woman, boy, and girl. Whosoever will, will carry his gospel. God could very use the very rocks. He could use a donkey and make a donkey talk. So if you are willing today, God is giving us the challenge to stand up and to let the world know that Jesus is coming. You see, the Bible says in verse 5, I will cause breath to enter into you. I am causing breath or spirit to enter into you. For the real agent, therefore, in the resuscitation of the bones was to be not the prophet, 
or the word of the prophet, but Jehovah himself. God is going to use us to carry the truth. And at the end, aimed at by the divine activity, was life and chose breath and spoken of by using the Hebrew word ruach, which was not to be the wind as in verse 9 or the spirit, but the very breath of life as in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 17 and Genesis chapter 7 and verse 22. You see, God uses his very breath to breathe into dead bones. The process of revivication is now divided into two stages, a preliminary stage, which should affect the reconstruction of the eternal skeleton by bringing together its different parts and clothing them with sinews and flesh and skin, and a finishing stage, which should consist in animating or putting breath in the reconstructed skeleton, corresponding so the two stages into which the process of man's original creation was divided. The result would be that the resurrected and reanimated bones like newly made man would know the Lord. Verse 7 and verse 8 says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. The words uttered were without doubt those of verse 4 through 6. The effect produced is depicted in its various steps. For first, there was resulted a noise, literally a voice, which the revisers take to have been a thundering, a sound, an audible voice, a trumpet blast, or voice of God, which according to certain New Testament passages shall precede the resurrection and awaken the dead. You see, after there's a voice, then there is a shaking, or the word seismo, which revivers understand to have been an earthquake. Seismographic activity takes place. God begins to remove all of the clutches that death has over those who have lost their spiritual focus. It is God who brings about a change. It is a peal of thunder running through the entire announcement, but which is better interpreted as a rustling proceeding from a movement among the bones. Thirdly, the bones came together in the body as a whole, and in particular, bone to his bone, that is to say, each bone to the bone, with which it was designed to be united as the upper or the lower part of the arm. Lastly, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above. Or, as in the revised version, there were sinews upon them, and flesh came up, and skin covered them above, precisely as Jehovah had announced to the prophet would take place. Yet though the external framework of the bodies were finished, there was no breath in them. That's why there are Christians today 
who look lifeless because they've lost that first love. There are Christians today who seem inactive because there is no spirit of movement within them. That's why there are individuals today who are hopelessly lost because they have no spiritual direction. Now, some of you would classify them as non-Christian. Some of you will classify them as lost. Some of you would say that they have no value. But Jesus looked at a woman caught in the midst of adultery, and he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You see, man is the one who looks on the outward appearance, and we see defects and deformity of character, and we call those individuals no good. But God specializes in taking broken down, no good, worn out sinners and make saints out of them. God can transform. God can change. God can bring about a resuscitation of individuals who have lost their spiritual way. They may be dead. We may have taken them to the funeral home. We may have put their bodies in the ground. But God brings about a seismographic explosion in their system. And like Elijah, who stretched out himself over the land, you and I today can have the same power. We can go into a valley of dry bones. And when we share with them the breath of God and the power of God and the truth of God and the spirit of God, they too can be transformed and come out of their spiritual grave and stand forth as somebody who could proclaim the word of God. The finishing stage began by the prophet receiving a command to prophesy unto the wind and to summon it from the four breasts or winds that it might breathe upon the slain. Four winds are mentioned as in Ezekiel 40:20 to indicate the four quarters of heaven, and perhaps also to suggest that the immense quantity of vitalizing force demanded by the multitude of the dead, the fullness and the force of the spirit's operation, or the notion that the spirit in resuscitating Israel would make use of all the varied forces that were then working in the world. The designation of the dead as slain reveals that the resurrection intended was not that of men in general, but of the nation of Israel, an exceedingly great army. This harmonizes with the feature in the vision which describes the bones as those of slain men, while also it may be viewed as foreshadowing the future destiny of Israel. The bones of the slain on the field of battle, having been brought together, clothed with flesh, and a new life breathed into them, now they stand up, not as a mixed multitude, but as an exceeding great army, prepared to take their part in the wars of Jehovah under new and happier conditions. 
these bones are the whole house of Israel on the principle that God is his own best interpreter. Its primary intention was to depict the political and national restoration of Israel, Ephraim and Judah, whose condition at the time of the field of withered bones appropriately re represented. Behold, they say, the complaint was manifestly taken from the popular sayings current among the people of the exile. Here, Israel is broken up, dispersed, expatriated, and despairing. There was no hope more of recovering national life and unity. The cheerless character of the outlook they expressed by saying, our bones are not the bones of the dead, but of the living. Their dried meaning, the vital force of our nation is gone. The bones being regarded in scripture as the seat of the vital force, our hope is lost. Our hope of ever returning to our own land or regaining national existence is lost and we are cut off for ourselves, which means we are lost, we are reduced to ourselves. We are cut off from the land of the living. It is all over with us and for us. We are cut off, a sad fact for us. We are clean cut off. Oh, the hopelessness and despair that sits among people who don't have a connection with God. When God is not in your life, you are lost. When God is not the motivating force of your spirit, you are lost. A person is in his grave when their spirituality is tied to a church office or a church position. A person is in their grave when their holiness is measured by each other rather than Christ. A person is in the grave when they must demean others to feel good about themselves. A person is in the grave when they have lost the fervor and the challenge and the love of standing up and telling somebody that Jesus is in the life. So the opening of the graves promised in scripture is not so much or always the cleaving asunder of material sepulchers as the bringing back to life of those whose bodies have returned to the spiritual dust. Hence, the opening of Israel's graves could only signify the reawakening of the politically and religiously dead people to national and spiritual life. This was the first step in the restoration of the future held up before the minds of despairing people. The second indicated by the clause, and Allah put my spirit in you. Has God's spirit been planted in you? Pointed to Ezekiel 36 and verse 26 and 27, to their future endowment with higher moral and spiritual life than they had previously possessed, and not merely to their political and national resuscitation, but to their spiritual resuscitation. The last step, the reestablishment of the reconstructed nation in Palestine was guaranteed by the word, I will place you in your own land. The circumstance shows that this is twice repeated. 
and shows that whatever view can be entertained of the ultimate occupation of Canaan by Israel, this was the goal towards which the vision looked, that it received partial, limited, and temporary fulfillment of a literal kind in the restoration under Zerubbabel and Ezra is undeniable that it will ever obtain historical realization of the permanent sort is doubtful, that it will eventually find its highest significance when God's spiritual Israel, that is the church of Christ, takes possession of the heavenly Canaan is one of the clearest and surest announcements in scripture. Some of us are looking for the literal activity to take place in the Holy Land. But oh, my brothers and sisters, if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, our nation is virtually dead. The exiled citizens of Jerusalem have lost all spirit and energy. But with the resurrection, a, a restored energy to the people will come. The nation will once more rise up from the dead. These resurrections of communities have been seen more than once in history. When Papal Rome rose on the ashes of Imperial Rome, when Germany was reunited under the Emperor, William, when French astonished the world by her renewed strength and prosperity after the terrible invasion of 1870, but while this material form of national resurrection is not infrequent, a moral resurrection is more rare. I'm telling you now, under COVID-19, we are dealing with a time for a moral resurrection. Can these bones live? Oh, when we finish this message next week, we want to let you know that restoration is promised and restoration is coming. If you've enjoyed this message by Pastor Jonathan McCautry, please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Call at 318-658-6216. Email us at deliverancetodayministries at gmail.com. Write us at P.O. Box 5452, Bossier City, Louisiana, 71171. This is Ruth Ann Thompson at Deliverance Today Ministries, inviting you to join us and become a faithful pledge supporter so we can reach others through this radio ministry. Before we leave the air today, I'd like to make a special appeal for those of you who believe in the power of prayer. Please join us on our Zoom prayer line tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock a.m., Central Standard Time, Zoom number 504-535-3921.